Now take your Bibles and open up to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10 is where we are right now. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me after I read. And I want you to just pinch yourself a little bit, because who doesn't like to study the book of Revelation three days before Jesus' birthday? It's Christmas, you know, there's dumplings around the fireplace or whatever the song says, you know, and why not look at what else is going on, you know? I'll tell you what, by God's providence, last week we were in chapter 10, no, no, 9, and we spent two weeks in chapter 9, if you remember that, and chapter 9 was nuts. Literally, all hell broke loose in chapter 9. It's a futuristic prophecy. It's what's going to happen. The key to the abyss was given to Satan, and he was given limits, and he was allowed to open up the abyss, and demons came out like a locust swarm, and they were given power to sting men and to bug him and bite him and plague him for five months. They weren't allowed to kill him, just get in their heads. And yet, during that time, there was another army raised up of 200 million that would consequently wipe out a third of the human population. It was a brutal chapter. I say that before we read chapter 10. Because if you were here during our study of chapters 6 and 7, when the seals were being opened, there was one seal, two seals, all, all the way through, six seals. And after the sixth seal, there was a pause. Do you guys remember the pause when the 144,000 were sealed and people began to get saved? There has been now in our trumpet judgment study Six trumpets, and there's another pause. Because even as God is doing what he said he would do, uphold righteousness and justice, lead, save, and give himself. Even as he's doing that, he's offering mercy and extensions of grace. And so chapter 10, I think providentially, just a couple of days before Christmas, shows us once again, not just the underbelly of the darkness of the devil, that is the destroyer, but listen, our focus today is on the goodness of God. And what God is doing in the midst of failure, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of pain. And when this book was given to John, the revelator, Pastor John, PJ, on the beach, he needed that encouragement, that information that would lead to transformation so Johnny wouldn't get distracted, so we wouldn't lose focus. And I believe for me and you who are running, we're racers, spiritual athletes, each one of us having different gifts. Each one of us have different calls on our life. If you're like me, you get your bell rung a few times, and then you get discouraged. You see chaos. You see people laying on the side, and people who once were running strong get picked off by the devil. And in chapter 10, John is given more encouragement. I want to read to you the first seven verses and then pray. Revelation 10, verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven and clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was on his head. And his face was like the sun. And his feet like pillars of fire. And he had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. This is a big angel with a cloud for covering and a rainbow head and fire feet and a book in his hand. He kind of looked like me just a little bit, just a little bit, you know, maybe not. If, if I was completely different and standing in the ocean and right here. This is a big angel, jolly green giant style, big guy. He's got a little book in his hand. Verse three, and he 
And he had a little book in his left hand, and he cried with a loud voice, verse 3, as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. And now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven like this. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, and the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, that is the seventh trumpeter, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name now, as we study your word, we are looking for two things. Information, that is the truth, our roadmap, our guide. And we are looking for that information that is not just two-dimensional, Lord, but is multi-dimensional. That, like you said about your word, is manna, it's our daily bread. And it would feed us and sustain us and energize us and direct us and correct us. That your word would be hidden deep within our hearts that we might not sin against you. And so we ask not just for information, but for transformation. That we, like Johnny here, Lord, would receive the word for today. And our lives would be refocused. We'd see what you're doing. Lord, would you bless this service? Would you bless this time as we study? Our desire is to glorify you, Lord, to edify the body for the work of the ministry. So would you do just that, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, the book of Revelation, if you're just joining us, is not a hard book to understand. Most people think it's a hard book to understand. Most churches don't touch it. Most Christians don't read it. We've been in it for the last six months, got all the way to chapter 10. And I'll remind you that in chapter 1, verse 19, there's a divine outline given from Jesus to John. And he tells John, write the things that have happened. That is me and my life and resurrection and all the victory that are in me. And write the things that are happening. That is the church age and give instruction and direction for the churches and then declare the things, listen, that will happen after these things, a futuristic prophecy. After what things? After the church age is done. After what we believe the rapture of the church will happen, which could actually happen right now. Okay, not now. It's going to happen soon, though. The rapture of the church, man. I got my rapture socks on as we speak. I'm ready to go. And after the rapture of the church, chapters 6 through 19 are what happened on planet Earth. That is a futuristic judgment. God pouring out his wrath, listen, on a God-forsaking, Christ-rejecting, sinful world. And for the next seven years, the church will be in heaven with God as in a Jewish marriage celebration. Seven days honeymoon, seven years with the Lord before he returns then to rescue those on planet Earth who have also, at that time, surrendered to him. So during the tribulation period, two things are happening. We're getting to know one another in heaven, getting to know our groom, but also on earth, all hell is breaking loose, but not without great purpose. See, God is trying to shake up the heathen, to wake up nations in order that he might take some up and make up a new kingdom. This is what God is doing. And I get so excited when I study the Bible and it makes that much clarity. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's what God's doing in my life right now. I wonder if he's maybe shaking some stuff up in order that he might wake me up, in order that he might make me into a kingdom. That must be what he's doing. And as we study this, it's important that you who are Bible students and theologians, which that's all of you, not all of you are 
good theologians or Bible students, but you're all theologians. That is, you have an opinion about God. You have some knowledge. It's important that you know that there are three main parties in play. There's God and what he does. There's the devil in what he does. And then there's mankind and what we do. And sometimes I get confused and I'm trying to find someone to blame. Ah, look at this. Everything's falling apart. Where's God in this? And the devil slowly slurks to the corner and remains anonymous as my marriage falls apart, as my health deteriorates, as my finances deplete, as my relationships are tested. And I begin to shake unrighteously my fist at the wrong enemy. And the devil says, got him, got him. So I want you guys to understand that as we study chapter 9 and as you maybe read the whole book of Revelation and some of the judgments in the Bible and some of the consequences of sin, and you ask yourself, what in the world is going on? Don't forget, the devil was noted in chapter 9 as the destroyer. That's what he does. He has no other business in your life but to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm just, I'm just, man, I'm like a goldfish. My kids were telling me the other day that goldfish have a short-term memory loop of three seconds that every three seconds they forgot everything they've ever known and it's all brand new to them, you know? So they're kind of like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Oh, hey, you know, and I go, oh, that looks, like, that looks like a good rock I should eat. I haven't eaten that rock yet, you know, and they eat the rock and spit it out. We got some goldfish. That's all they do is eat rocks all day, you know? And sometimes I feel like a goldfish where I, I, I learn something, oh, yeah. And then I, I forget in the loops of life. And I don't want us to be those who are here at South Beach and watching online to misunderstand what's going on with all the things around us. See, this transformation we're looking for through the word of God, it, it's gonna transform something. And if you're not careful, you'll actually ask God in your time of prayer and your devotion to service and your study of the word, Lord, would you transform them? Would you transform this? Would you transform that? And we should pray for those things, right? You know what? I'm just going to tell you right now. God is more concerned with your internal workings than your external comfort. And he is doing in your life right now things in you because he is committed to your eternal existence. If you're like me, though, man, you're so preoccupied by the things around you that are out of order and that are pressing on you and messing with all your nerve sensors. And the Lord says, I'm doing something. The devil wants to destroy you. Listen, listen, listen. Right now, God wants to refine you. God wants to redeem you. God wants to strengthen you. He's like your spiritual personal trainer. And every time you complete a couple good reps, he's like, cool, that was awesome. And he throws on some more weight on the barbell. And you look at him, you're like, did you just throw more weight on there? He's like, I sure did. <laughs> okay, why would you do that to me, you know? He says, because I'm trying to get you spiritually fit. I'm trying to get you. And again, we get this confused and we miss out. So here in chapter 10, we see this contrast. I want you guys to study this with me as a contrast. Chapter 9, 200 million man army, innumerable locusts, plagues and stings and bites. Men will seek death and not be able to find it. It's a gruesome time. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10, though. It says, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven. Stop right there, eyes up here. In the midst of demons coming up from hell, okay, simultaneously, angels coming down from heaven. Okay, we call this a battle scene. Angels descending, demons ascending, and there's this cosmic clash. And let me just remind you guys who are here, we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against our spouses or our bosses or our governments, but we do wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual forces in high places. You are in a battle, for sure, okay? 
But it's not about the person next to you. It's not about your neighbor. It's not about your HOA president. It's not about those guys and gals. It is actually between the devil and him trying to take you out. Now, when I figure this out and I remind myself, then things are different in my battles. The pastor who performed my marriage, uh, Pastor John Minor, he used to say of himself that when his alarm clock goes off in the morning, he wants all of hell to wake up shuddering. That way, when he's awake, when he's living, that they're afraid that he's now awake and on the prowl. I don't know how you guys look at spiritual warfare. There's all kinds of different views, but I would encourage you in this contrast as we focus now in chapter 10, verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like a pillar of fire, and he had a little book open in his hand. Now, we're going to identify this angel in just a minute, but before we do, I just want to, again, challenge you that here John is watching this Armageddon, and it's in that time that he saw heaven descend. Heaven's descending whether you know it or not. Do you guys realize that? This is good news. Whether you have a bad day or not, whether you fall off the wagon, whether you slip up, whether you don't show up, whether it doesn't go well for you, at the end of the day, Jesus is king, okay? Jesus is real. He knows what he's doing. And yet there's those days where the Lord says, hey, I want you to, I want you to press in. I don't want you to spaz out in your marriage. I don't want you to tap out. I don't want you to go back to that thing. Even though you're feeling weak, even though you're feeling the demonic oppression, don't give up. Instead, trust the Lord. You guys remember that story in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar said, you guys got to bow down to this golden image. Everyone's doing it. It's the latest fad. It's kind of like a dance move. It's all good, you know, and the music was playing. And they said, we're not doing it, dude. And he threatened them. And they said this, even if you throw us in the fire, God will deliver us. And if he doesn't deliver us and we become toasted marshmallows, even then we're not going to bow down. And they were thrown into the fire. You guys know the story. That's where they saw Jesus in the oppression, in the conflict, in the difficulty. You guys remember the story? Three were thrown in. Nebuchadnezzar peeks and he's like, hey, I, how many did we throw in there? He asks his advisor and his advisor said, we threw in three. He says, then why do I see four? Why are there four in there and the fourth looks like the son of God? And you who've been studying scriptures long enough know the three things that happened while they were tested burned and in the fire number one they had fellowship with jesus closer than ever before it was a christophany where christ showed up in the old testament no sweeter intimacy had they had with god than in the fire now how many volunteers can i get to go to the fire today anybody want to get thrown right in anybody no, no we usually don't volunteer for it two other things happened the only thing that was burned because they were eventually let out one thing was burned while they were in the fire and it was the ropes that bound them their robes, their hair, their glorious beards weren't touched. But when they got out of the fire, the things that had held them back were also dealt with. And let me just tell you something right now. Not only does God want to have sweet fellowship with you in your burden, in the difficulty, he wants to meet with you right now while you're going through counseling. He wants to be your counselor. Listen, God also wants to do a deeper work. He wants to expose those things that are holding you down right now. Those things that are binding you. And he says, let's burn that up too. Let's not waste the pain. Let's not waste the fire. Let's actually do some deep work in you. And God wants to break the chains. The third thing that happened, while they were in the fire, not only did they see Jesus have intimacy with him, not only did they come out free, Nebuchadnezzar on the outside watched the whole thing. Did you know that people are watching you? It's kind of scary. They're watching you. You don't think so. You don't, some of you don't even like it when people watch you. I go on your Facebook and you have like 100 friends and I can tell you don't like anybody. <laughs> don't watch me. Don't look at me. People are looking at you. 
God's actually let you live right now and go through your fire on purpose because people are questioning God's existence. Is God good? Is God real? How, how can we know? And they've chosen to ignore creation, <laughs> all of it. And so now God said, I'm going to let him see your life. I'm going to let you have the aroma of Christ. I'm going to squeeze you a little bit. What? For some of you, it's not even a squeeze. For some of you, it's a crush. You're going to be crushed. Because when you are crushed, you who are Christians, guess what you emit? The aroma and fragrance of Christ. And people see you. Nebuchadnezzar, when he saw in the fire, he saw Jesus. He said, get those guys out of here. And when they came out of there, you know what Nebuchadnezzar did? He gave his life to God. He said, I'm a Christian now. I'm a believer. Why? Because he saw some people go through suffering. And they, listen, they suffered well. They chose to stand. They chose to let God have his way. And I'm going to tell you, for those select few who are here that are living a life of suffering, your health, your mental health, your marriage, your finances, your, your everything. And you're like, why is it so tough for me? Listen, let the Lord do a deeper work. Find Jesus. He's right there. And let God use you as a display. You, you want people around you to get saved, don't you? You want them to see what we have printed on our shirts. Jesus is real. They're slowly watching you burn. One of the great evangelists of the 1800s said that if you allow the Lord to burn in you a fire, people will come from miles around to watch you burn. And the reality is, not all of us are great evangelists. We're not all going to seek to walk in that. But we all are living epistles. Paul says it that way. We're all walking billboards. We're displaying and demonstrating the reality and glory of God. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Write it down or get it tattooed on your left forearm. That's a joke. Don't do that. Write it down somewhere else, though. And it says this, And thanks be to God, who always leads us in the victory through our Savior, Christ Jesus, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. <laughs> Whoa. I don't always feel victorious. I don't always feel fragrant. I do, I do feel fragrant, but not always the right fragrance, you know what I'm saying? I kind of feel like I'm stinking things up and like, you know. What's the Lord doing right now in your life? Here's John on the island of Patmos, seeing a futuristic reality. Chapter 9, oh, crazy. And still another mighty angel. Doing what? Coming down. Where's he putting his feet? On the sea and on the land. And he's got a book and it resembles Jesus. I personally don't believe this is Jesus, okay? Some Bible commentators do, and I'm actually fine with that. And if this is Jesus, dude, I'm all in. I'm fired up. But because John says he is another mighty angel, using the word angelos in the Greek, it's a different word, never used for Jesus. It could be used for messenger, for pastor. It could be used for Jesus because he is all those things. But I believe that this isn't Jesus. I'm going to teach it as if it's an angel. But this angel looks just like Jesus, does he not? He's described just like Jesus with the cloud covering and the rainbow head and fire legs and with the book. And so... If it's not Jesus, but it looks like Jesus, well, what do we do with that? My proposal is this. This angel works for Jesus, hangs out with Jesus, and now he looks like Jesus. Because here's what's going to happen to you. Did you know if you work for Jesus and you hang out with Jesus, you too will begin to look like Jesus? This is good news, by the way. Jesus called 12 disciples to follow him, and he would make them fishers of men. In those days when a rabbi would call others to be their students, Literally, the idea was to get the dust of your rabbi's 
path upon you. You would be so close to him that what he did would cover you and you would become like your rabbi. And for three years, these guys followed Jesus, learning and, and learning and studying from Jesus. And eventually, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they became more and more like Jesus. Now, there is only one Jesus. Don't get me wrong. We're not trying to have duplicate Jesuses here. You guys understand that? A reflection, though. A reflection of Jesus. And let me just read to you out of 2 Corinthians 3.18. Bible students, write this down. This is a great verse to meditate on. It says this, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, listen, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me tell you what Paul's trying to say there. Paul says that we who are Christians, when we look at Jesus, we become more like Jesus. That when we look at him with an unveiled face, that is through the new covenant, we can have direct fellowship with Jesus. The Bible says you are being transformed from glory to glory. You're becoming more like Jesus. And this angel shows up. And I believe when this angel showed up, he wanted John to see the stability that is in the kingdom of God in the midst of the tribulation. One foot on the ocean and one foot on the sea, to me, speaks of stability. How does that stability come from? This angel spending time with Jesus. He's got the word of God. We actually don't know what this little book is, by the way. I don't know what the book is. It doesn't say. It could be a further reading of the seals and the judgments that are coming. It could be a further understanding of the title deed and the other descriptions needed in order to redeem planet Earth. It could be God's word. Here's what I'm going to teach it like today. This book that this angel has is the word of God for John. Because did you know that there's a word that God has for you? Verses that you tucked away. Things right now you need. It's universal. It's for everybody. Okay, but the Bible says that his sheep hear his voice. And with our voices, we make words. And I believe that this angel, just trip out with me. This jolly green giant angel, you know, shows up. Big guy. And he st here's John. Oh, 200 million man army. Chapter 9. One third of planet Earth killed. Oh, no. It's brutal and bitter. Lord, what's happening? And still another mighty angel. Demons ascending. Ah! Angels descending. Did you know that when you were born, you were given a guardian angel? True story. Okay, cartoons didn't make that up. They stole it from the Bible. The Bible actually says that angels are given over, charge over you. And as a young person, you were given a guardian. I don't think that the guardian angel eventually leaves you because you become well enough to do like without him. You know what I'm saying? Well, I got them going. They should be fine from here on out. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no. Like that angel's recruiting others. Like, hey, come join my party over here. I need help. You know, and there are angels that were assigned to you. What, what for? God's purpose. And the angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and his army will bring to you, listen, this is so important. If you want to run well, if you want to be like Pastor Johnny and have a revelation, as you see God and his word and his angelic force and his church as one of stability, as one of ability, you in and of yourself, man, you're a baby. Are you not? Just a little baby. How many of you guys are going to plan on getting tired today, hungry, and maybe even hangry, like just mad at somebody? Each and every one of you have their proclivity today to righteous, unrighteous anger, untethered anger, you know, because we're, so, we're such babies. We're so limited. I think what you realize that, say, okay, Lord, 
But guess what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because some of you guys right now are fighting. You're fighting your battles. And you're not reaching up to heaven to pull down the resources on planet Earth. And it's chaos. It's crazy. And you're, you can see it all. And there's upheaval. And there's, there's a mess. And there's a strain. And there's a stress. And you're just waiting for it to pass. And you're praying for transformation. Let this area change. And the Lord says, I'm not. Oh, man. No, I can't change. That's going to be that way. That's just the way it is. But I can change you. I can change you. 2 Corinthians 2.14. I can lead you in victory. How are we going to do that? Through God's, listen, listen, through God's word for you. We're going to see in just a little bit how John receives this book. And I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it a couple more times, but I hear people from time to time say, I, I, I just don't hear from the Lord. I say, read, read your Bible. I just don't know the will of the Lord right now. Read your Bible. I'm not sure what's going on in the world right now. Read your Bible. I'm not sure if I can make it. Read your Bible, you know. And unless you have been doing nothing but reading your Bible, read your Bible, you know. This angel shows up. This is so crazy. It's crazy to me. The angel shows up in the middle. He's like, okay, oh, an angel, sweet. You got anything? What do you got for me? He's like, a little book. I'm like, what? A little book? I don't need a book. You need a book. You need a book. Right now, some of you guys are praying for things outside of what God has already provided for you. He's already given it to you. You're standing there waiting for deliverance, waiting for power, waiting for strength, waiting for comfort, waiting for all this stuff. And God's like, <laughs> eat the book, man. But you're pointing at all this stuff. And Again, this sermon is for me, not you guys. I don't know why you're here. This is all for me. This is what the... You guys can check the sports app if you want and just listen to me or talk to myself. Verse 2, he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Again, I personally don't think this is Jesus. It could be. And yet when he cries out, it's with a mighty voice, like thunder, seven thunders utter. Psalm 29 and book of Hebrews, Psalm 40 actually, tells us that the voice of the Lord is like thunder. It causes the cedars of Lebanon to shake and animals freak out. And God thunders with a mighty voice through his word for you and for me. It's interesting that he puts his feet on the land and on the sea. I think again, just demonstrating his power. Remember that one time the boys were with Jesus and there was people everywhere, and they were getting tired of it. We call that Monday. And so Jesus said, well, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Let's, let's go get some R&R. And, while, and so they're getting away from the people, like, oh, finally, man, people, 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 you know. Get off the land. Let's go to the sea. Let's go to the ocean. And when they got to the ocean, remember, a storm starts happening. Chaos. Jesus calmed the waves more than once. But in this one particular scene of chaotic disturbance, demonic storm, they're freaking out. Jesus is sleeping. And when Jesus finally, when they wake him up, Master, we're per do you not care that we're perishing? You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, do you not care about me? And the Lord's like, I, don't, I, I do care about you very much. And the Lord stood and he said two words, peace, be still. 
maybe that's three words in English, but it's two words in Greek. Peace, be still. Literally, be muzzled. And he told the ocean and the waves, the wind and the waves, enough. I mean, this is, we live on the Oregon coast. We see storms and waves. You know, I mean, and the boys were like, what? God did that. Here's my question for you. How are the storms in your life right now? Are they real? Waves, wind, taking on water, difficulties. If it's not, just wait. Just wait, it's coming. It is coming. And the Lord is the Lord. And he demonstrates through his word this power over your situations. There's no created thing on, on planet earth or under the earth or in the universe that isn't subject to God and his authority. And I believe John is seeing this as this roaring lion. Look at verse 4, though. It says, now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. John's been writing the book of Revelation this whole time, okay? He's a pastor. He's already written a couple books, four books. He wrote John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. He knows how to write. He had his little iPad Pro there. It's a joke. And he was, he was writing this down. And all of a sudden, chapter 10, contrast chapter 9, he hears this. What did he hear? He starts to write it down. Verse 4. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Now stop right there, eyes up here. This is so cool. This is actually really cool. First question that comes to my mind is, what did he hear? Okay, here's the answer. None of your business. <laughs> which is the trip. This is, this is God's word to John. How cool is that? Now, John has been, he's been writing. The book of Revelation, Revelation literally means revealed or apocalypse. It's the revelation. It's like, it's an unsealed book. But right here, John, oh, don't, don't. That was just for you, which is so special to me. When I preach on Sundays or teach or whatever, I, I often have people come up to me and say, thank you so much, man. The, man, the Lord met me. And here's what he showed me. And they'll rehearse what they received from the sermon I just gave. And yet in rehearsing what they just received, I'm listening going, I didn't say any of that. What sermon were you listening to, you know? And I'll tell you what, it's so awesome. Because whether I feel like I did a good job or a lackluster job, okay, I believe that the word of the Lord is spoken to men and women who are listening. And that God has an individual word for you. I guess here's the question I'll ask a couple more times today. Are you, are you listening? Not just here. I hope you are. But are you listening throughout the week at what God's speaking? Your life is not about the external circumstances you're dealing with right now. Those things will pass. Those are fleeting illusions. And yet what God is speaking to your heart right now in that is of eternal importance. The character, the weight of glory that God is forging inside of you don't let the little trinkets the things the nuances right here in this time let's talk about context john is seeing the revelation unfold and armageddon and he's panicking and so this angel shows up oh oh oh, oh an angel cool what are you gonna what are we gonna do here you know thunders he's like, whoa and he begins to then disseminate that information to you and me and heaven's like no that was just for you bro what Whoa, that's kind of cool. A revelation for you in the midst of your storm. 
Again, the question I just asked is, are you listening? Because somebody here right now is going, that's crazy. It never happens to me, you know. As soon as I get home, I'm on Netflix for 10 hours straight, and I haven't heard one thing from God. <laughs> on Facebook, I liked a God page, but it never comes up in my feed. But You know what I'm saying? And we're like, <laughs> are you listening? I, again, this is a sermon for me, not you. Interesting. Now, when you get to heaven and you meet John, you can ask him what the utterance was. And he might say the same thing I told you, none of your business. We don't know, though. Verse 5, let's keep going. We're going to finish the chapter today. Banner day in our study of the book of Revelation. Finish the chapter. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven. So the utterings are done. He's received a message. But now the angel continues to give this public revelation. And this angel that's standing on the sea and standing on the ocean and the land, listen, raises up his right hand and he swears to God. I don't know about you, but swearing to God is kind of a big deal. We don't encourage it in our home. If my kids rattle off, I swear to God. I'm like, ah, let's not do that. You know, just because it sounds weird. But the idea is I'm swearing the truth upon somebody or something greater than myself. In Jewish times and in the Old Testament and New Testament, when you took an oath or swore, you would take an oath or swear in upon someone or something greater than yourself. You couldn't swear on something less than yourself. As a matter of fact, if you've ever been sworn in or sworn an oath and you put your left hand on the Bible, it's, it's different in every agency, but you put your left hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand, it's from this portion of Scripture. This is a big deal. And it's kind of crazy, to me it's crazy, that this angel looking at John, maybe John's tripping. Maybe, I don't know what John just heard. The seven, we don't know what these seven thunders told him. Maybe John was like, oh no, what he heard. Oh no, I don't know what he heard. And it's at that point that this angel says, hey, let me just tell you something right now, bro. What God said he's gonna do, I swear he's gonna do it. This is great news. This angel who shows up with the word of God, I believe, in confidence and stability. Now with courage, swears. Read it with me. Verse 5. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on land raised up his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and all the things that are in it, and the earth and all the things that are in it and the sea, and all the things that are in it. Listen, that there should be delay no longer. Stop right there, eyes up here. We'll talk about what the delay is. But first, let's talk about the authority of who this angel is swearing upon. The one who created heaven, earth, and the sea, and all that are in them. Let me ask you a few questions. How many of you guys ever created anything really cool? Any carpenters here, builders, or any sewers, stitchers, you know, maybe that, that crazy quilt that one time, you know, I mean, you, you know where their flaws are, like, eh, you know, over here I use a little bit of what, you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever create a universe? Have you ever done that before? Solar system? How about just a solar system? Just not the universe, the universe is too much. How about a solar, anybody? Anybody? How about an ocean, just a small ocean, like the, you know, a GNC, anything small? Man, this angel's like, I almost swear to God that what he said is true. 
well, how can, how can we trust? <laughs> this is such a funny question. <laughs> how, how can we trust the Lord, you know, to know what he's doing? It, it, which is what every single human wrestles with their entire life. Listen, not just the outsiders that don't believe in God. You wrestle with that. How can I trust God? It was the first lie ever told. Genesis 3. Can you really trust God? I don't know. I never thought about it. And even Adam began to think about it. I don't, I don't know. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? And their mind was poisoned with a lie. The same lie you, you read. And I love this angel's logic. Like, hey, I got the word. I'm standing on the ocean to sea. Pretty big deal. I got fire feet. Like, it's pretty, pretty cool. And I swear, on behalf of him who created everything, do you have trouble trusting the Lord? The answer is yes, because you're, you're broken, okay? Can you trust the Lord? The answer is yes, because God has created all things, and he has created all things good, and he is the redeemer of all things. You see, the rational man, and I believe that's y'all here this morning, ra rational mankind, when he sees the heavens, and he sees the earth, and he sees the seas, rational man concludes there is a creator. There is one bigger than me. And though my situation is real, though my heartache is real, though my problem, my divorce, my cancer, my bankruptcy is real, it is real, there is one that is more real. Jesus is real. If he can create all of that, this angel shows up, I swear, what he has said he's going to do, he's going to do. And the angel goes on to say, there will be delay no longer. It's kind of like a double negative. It's not, we're not going to wait any longer. Because some of you right now are just in the waiting game. You're just waiting for the Lord to clean things up, waiting for him to fix things. You're just waiting, waiting. And this angel shows up to John. This is 2,000 years ago, by the way, prophesying the future. And what's going to happen in the future, this angel has to go on record and say, guys, the delay is over. Now, let me just make sure you understand what the delay is for. God has delayed his promises, his kingdom coming, his ultimate redemption, okay, because he's not done yet on you and with this world. Peter says that God is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but instead he is long-suffering and patient, willing that none should perish. I mean, how many guys are pumped for the Lord to return? Like, you're, you're A-okay, like today would be great, okay? How many guys prayed 10 years ago, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 10 years ago? How about 30 years ago? How about 120 years ago? Yeah, you know, you guys, you know. Here's the deal. How many of you guys, though, would have missed the boat had the Lord returned 25 years ago? You would have missed the boat. So it's your fault. And you know what? I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful. Wouldn't that be awesome? John here probably is squirming, like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the Lord's like, hey, 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 hey. I swear. I swear, which again, it's just a weird thing for me to even say over and over and over, this angel. The delay, it'll end. When will it end? He goes on to say, look at this. I'm gonna read it again. That there should be delay no longer. Last verse in chapter six, verse six, verse seven. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. This is actually a very important verse. I've got it highlighted, underlined, marked up, considered. Did you, this angel, right now, I mean, if you're looking for the sports almanac of the future, it's right here. This is what tells us what and when it's all going down. 
John wondering, 2,000 years ago, when it's all going to happen? And the angel specifically says that in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, that is the seventh trumpet, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be, what's the mystery of God? It's what God's been up to this whole time. The entirety of what God's kingdom is about, the culmination. Now I'm going to give you guys a little sneak peek into coming attraction. I'm going to turn the page real quick to the seventh trumpet. You guys realize this is a pause between the trumpets. Six trumpets have trumpeted, one more trumpet to go, and chapter 10 and most of chapter 11 are an interlude. Just like after six seals, there was an interlude before the seventh seal. And in this interlude, this is given to John, and this is what it says when the seventh trumpet finally trumpets. Verse 15 of chapter 11. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, here's the mystery, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And in the ensuing verses, the four and 20 elders worship, all of heaven erupts. Do you know what the mystery of God is? When Jesus establishes his kingdom on earth and the kingdoms of the world are redeemed and rescued from themselves. I don't want to say this in a political way, but I'm really glad to be an American. I really am. In, in contrast to some of the kingdoms of the world. Have you, have you traveled the world before? You should try it. You'll, you'll love America. You'll be very happy. And the kingdoms of this world, America included, need redemption. And they need to be brought into, okay, kingship under Lord Jesus. It's the mystery of God. It's about the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Matthew chapter five, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. John here in the midst prophesies, guess what's coming guys? In the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the turmoil, a word from the Lord for you and an oath from God saying, I'll do my part. Don't even worry about it. John has given further instruction and I wanna end with this thought. Look at the next section, verses eight through 11. It says, then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. Now stop right there. Eyes up here. You got the jolly green giant guy with fire feet, man, and the rainbow head. And he's standing there with this book. And the angel's like to John, go get the book. He's like, what? Just throw it to me, dude. <laughs> you know, go get the book. Look at verse, look at verse nine. So I went to the angel and I said to him, give me the little book. <laughs> he didn't even say, please. I love John. And this guy, <laughs> this must have been crazy. He walks up, give me the book. And it's such a subtle point, guys. You know what's so cool? John did what he was told to do. And again, I'm not even talking to you guys. I'm talking to me now. I know in the certain areas of walking closer to Jesus and finding stability and being powerful and attaining my call and preserving my marriage and leading my kids, I know what I'm supposed to do. Does anyone in here know what you're supposed to do in your life for relational success, financial freedom? For, for sobriety, for, for purpose. You guys, does anybody know what you're supposed to do? Anybody know? And yet you have trouble just doing it. Most of us aren't dummies here, okay? We're not dummies. You know what to do. 
You don't have the willpower. You don't have the ingenuity. You don't have the discipline. You don't have the resource, whatever. You don't. John here is told what to do. You know what he does? He does it. And I want to learn from John. He walked up to this giant angel. Give me the book. What was going on? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. He's going to get the book, and it's going to do two things to him. It's going to make him happy, and it's also going to make him sad. The Bible says that it tastes like honey. Obedience, God's word. But it also makes his stomach hurt. It becomes bitter. Okay, because there's a battle. And let me just encourage you guys. There's a spiritual battle right now, a spiritual warfare for your soul, for your fruit, for your purpose. What if John said, that's scary, the end, and he just ended the book right there, you know, end of Revelation, shook himself out of the, being in this. What if he did that? What if you said to the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, in the way that he wants you to pursue your spouse or to pursue your ministry or to pursue your call, what if you said to the Lord, I'm good, just I'm okay over here on the shore. I don't really want to wade out there into the ocean and talk. I don't want to do that. What if you, what if you, what, what if that, what if that is what you're doing? You ever go to the gas station on empty and just get a buck? You got more money, but I just, I just a buck. I just got to get to the next gas station. If you're lucky, you know. But you usually don't do that. Usually you get as much as you can. And if you can fill it up, you fill it up. What does the Lord want for you? Verse 9, I'm, I'm, I'm convicted. I went to the angel. And I said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Let me just remind you that the word of God is a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It is both sweet when you know the goodness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the kindness of God, the purpose of God, the long-suffering of God, when you know the gifts of God, oh, the comfort of God, the faith of God, the assurity of God, the confidence of God, the wisdom of God. Oh. But if you also know the justice of God, the righteousness of God, and the perfection of God, and the requirements of God, and therefore the wrath of God, and you understand the rest of the story, and you understand the plight of mankind, the failures, the fickleness, the difficulties. And you understand both. Listen, it is both sweet and sour. It's like Lee's Walk, man. Sweet and sour, Chinese food. Anyways, it's both. And I think we get that here. I think we understand that. We study the Bible for what it is. Did you know there are some people that only ever always look for the sweetness of God's word? I don't, I don't blame them promises of God, the goodness of God. There's actually some notable, famous preachers on TV that talk about the goodness of God all the time, and the health of God, and the wealth of God, and the prosperity of God, and the power of God, and the glory of God, and, and all, all the sweet stuff. And I, it's not even that message that bothers me, what, what they're saying. You know what bothers me about that message? It's not what they're saying, but what they're not saying, which is the other side, the, bitter, the bitterness. Not the bitterness of God, but the way that the truth. We just came from chapter 9. Gnarly. Did you know that heaven will be forever and absolutely free and completely full of people? How sweet. Did you know that hell is forever? Okay. And it's horrible. And it also will be full. That's horrible. 
And there's a whole demographic of humans, Christians, they call themselves, that are universalists. And they just, they don't want it. Ah, 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 they don't want, ah, ah, I don't want to, I don't know. Ah, ah. I don't want anything to do with the bitter. I just want the sweet. I just want the goodness, man. It's the I'm okay, you're okay delusion. Have you seen this in our culture? I'm okay, you're okay. I'm going to say you're okay, and then you say I'm okay. Okay? Okay. You're okay. I'm okay. I'm okay, you're okay. I'm okay. Okay? Okay. And I look at people, I'm like, you're not okay. Okay? I'm not okay, okay? Okay. Okay? It's not that hard to figure out you're not okay. Super not hard to figure out other people are not okay. And yet people want to be okay. Just tell me I'm okay. No. No. Eat the word. It'll be sweet. Let me, let me make sure you understand this. If you have read the word of God and digested it, and you have not found the sweetness of God, maybe you're uh, a critic here, or you're, you're, you read the Old Testament first, or, or you read a story, like, this book's nuts, man. See all this chaos and carnage and all this apocalyptic weird stuff and this bitterness. If that's all you saw, you read it wrong. But if you're here today and you're of the okay, I'm okay, you're okay delusion, and it's all good, God is love and God is mercy and God is grace, and, and you didn't see the underside, you read it wrong. This angel says, all right, John, eat it. It's going to be sweet, bro. Oh, but you're going to be sick after. <laughs> angel, why are you tricking me, you know? Please walk. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> verse 10. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it. And it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. Guys, look at verse 11. Final thought of the day. I'm going to have Ryan come up in, in just a minute. Not yet. Because chapter 10 is an interlude. It's getting instruction. This instruction was written to the church, which is you. It's important that you know this book. Revelation is not a hard book to understand. Although, because I believe of satanic reasons, the church has ignored it. The church doesn't get it. We just, we... I'm just trying to live my sweet little life right now. And the Lord says, don't do that. Man, you're, on, you're here on purpose. Your, your life is very short. And I've given you the book. You have confidence now. You have understanding. Last night I got a phone call. I'm not, not sure I got a message. Some friends of mine said, can you come over to our house right now? Or, or, my mom's dying. And I said, okay. So I got my book. I got a little bottle of oil and went over to their house last night. And we prayed and I read the book to this, this gal who's dying and she was not responding. She's breathing. And it was more for her daughter and her daughter's husband. And, and yet we're all believers and we rejoiced. Great confidence. And a few hours later she went to be with Jesus. She's in heaven now. And I'll tell you what. What do you as a mom or dad have to offer your kids or your friends? Do you, have, do you have the confidence of the word of God? Not enough of yourself. The verse I read was out of the book of Romans where Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Ready to go. Look at verse 11. Ryan, would you come up? This angel said to John... You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And that's how the chapter ends. John, eat the book. It's going to be sweet, because it is. 
It's also going to make your stomach bitter. Because it is. What do I do with that, Jesus? What do I do with this double-edged sword, this truth? Verse 11, tell people. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. It's the only way. And I suppose with a group this size on this day, December 22nd or whatever it is, I would ask you before we take communion, we're bringing the elements out right now. How are you doing with the Lord? Your life is probably messy, whether on land or on sea. It's chaos. You're being tested on all fronts. That won't stop. I wish I could give you a magic stick, a protective orb today that would say, oh, no more suffering. Woo, that's awesome. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said in this world, going to be troublesome, difficult, hard. And yet Jesus, with love in his eyes, looked at his followers and said, guys, eyes right here. Eyes right here. We got this. We got this. Here's the book. Eat it. I swear. I swear to God. There shall be no delay any longer. You mean there's a delay right now? Lord, you know what you're doing? You, you on purpose delayed things? You're, there's a pause right now? Yeah. Yeah, I totally know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing right now. I'm saving people all over the place. That's exactly what God is up to right now. And John, oh, okay, so you're going to do your part. It's going to happen. And you want me to tell people about it? <laughs> all right. Okay. So I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads, and we're going to ask the Lord to convict us, to rebuke us, to heal us, to speak to us. Remember that word that John got that was for him? Would you close your eyes? I think God's going to give you a word right now. Lord, would you speak to your kids? Maybe it's a simple word. Keep going. Don't give up. Give that to me. I miss you. Do not fear, for I am with you. What is the Lord whispering to you right now? He's called you. He's called you. And Lord, as we come to the table now and commune, we do so realizing that it's a celebration of the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus. That he sacrificially died for our sins, that we could confess them and be forgiven. That we could find power over sin and darkness. If you're caught up in sin, if there's an addiction, maybe it's alcohol or drugs or, or pornography or depression or anger, you're bound the Bible says that the power of sin has been broken through Jesus. You don't have to do those things anymore. You do not have to go back to that same person. You can leave it at the table. Lord, would you speak to your kids? Would you set us free? Lord, would you give us that word that is sweet, the sweetness of God? 
But would it also, Lord, alert us through a bitterness, through an upset belly, that there are people that need to hear it. Do this work, we pray. Save souls even now. The Lord is here. Repent and be saved. If you sense him drawing you to give your life to him and to become a believer and be saved, today is your day. Right now, in your heart, acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior. Nod and say, yes, Lord, you are my Lord and my Savior. Take my life. Forgive me of my sins. Holy Spirit, fill me. And the Holy Spirit will do that. Lord, as we take communion now, would you be honored in this time? Break bonds, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.